stood in this pulpit or behind this podium over the years, and I feel honored to be one of those people today. For any who are visiting here today, we're thankful to God that you're here. And use every opportunity you can to come back, especially if you live in the immediate area. I've been going through a series of lessons at Adel from the fifth chapter of Galatians on the fruit of the, of the Spirit. And I read for many years, as many of you have, the works of the flesh in verses 19 and following. And indeed, the works of the flesh will keep an individual out of heaven. Paul was very clear about those things. He talks about sexual immorality or fornication, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I didn't list everything Paul is saying but he says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And I've often wondered if people stop and look at some of these words and think, well, yeah, the fornicator won't go to heaven. But neither will those who are jealous and cause strife. There are many things here that Paul lists that can keep us out of heaven. But the Bible is not all about the negative things. It's also about the positive things. The fruit of the Spirit, the first word that he gives is love. The second word that he gives is joy. The third word that he gives is peace. I want to talk about joy for a few minutes. I was listening to a recording some years back, and at one point I knew who the the preacher was. I don't remember now, but in the middle of the lesson, he paused and slowed down, and he said and asked the question, Are you happy? And it was just the way he did it, it caused me to think, I don't know what happened to the recording, I wish I still had it, it was a very good lesson, but it's a very good question to ask. Joy and happiness would be synonymous terms. We know that life has its difficulties. We know that life is, we're faced with many challenges every single day. And we also know that sometimes some of us are not very happy. And it's okay sometimes, but what is our general disposition? How do we feel most of the time? The psalmist said in Psalm 5, beginning with the 11th verse, But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. And may you shelter them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For it is you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor as with a shield. We ought to be happy that we have a God that cares for us. The psalmist is talking about the providence of God in contrast with those who do not put their trust in God and do not seek refuge in God. And I know if you're a Christian, you've sought refuge in Jesus Christ. He's your Lord, He's your Master, He's your Savior. And we ought to be a happy people, generally speaking. We ought to be a joyful people. Some people don't appreciate what I'm going to say, but maybe it'll help us get in the mood of being somewhat joyful. A little fellow, he was a midget, was driving down a road, kind of like Dayton Boulevard. And there was a big truck in front of him. 
and somebody pulled out in front of the truck and the truck had to slam on its brakes. Well, the little midget guy didn't see that. He just saw that truck stop and he ran into it. Messed up his new car. He got out of the car and stomped up there and rapped on that truck driver's door and he said, I want you to know something. I'm not happy. The driver said, well, which one are you then? And so, you know, to think about it, life does cause us sometimes to be upset about things. And we understand that. But joy should be in the heart of a Christian. I have a Lord who cared enough to give his life for me and nobody else could do it. And what he did, nobody else would do it. Jesus did that for us. You know, we are eternal souls in a temporary body. We are not just human beings. We are eternal souls indwelling a temporary body in a temporary world that also has temporary problems headed for an eternal world where there are no problems. You won't be in this body anymore, and it will be eternal joy to be with the Lord. But between now and then, how do we deal with the challenges of life? Because they're here and they're, and they're real. I don't know everything that was going on in the minds of our Lord's disciples in John chapter 14 and verse 1. But when the Lord said, do not let your heart be troubled, the Greek grammar would demand that he was saying, stop letting your hearts be troubled. You need to stop this. They were troubled. They were upset because Jesus had been talking about death. He had been talking about going away. They've been with the Lord for three or so years. How would you like to spend three years with Jesus and him be telling you he's leaving? It's hard enough to, for some people that we love dearly that are not Jesus to leave us, but he was leaving. He said, listen, don't, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And in my Father's house there are many abiding places. And he says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. I'll come again. And then the great promise is that I will receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. They didn't get that. They didn't understand that. And they had a hard time when Jesus was on trial. Peter denied him and the others ran away. And I mean, John's the only one that stayed at the cross. And, and I can't tell you what I would do if I were there. But I imagine once the resurrection occurred and they understood part of what he was talking about, they were happy people then. But at first, even you look at John... Uh, Mark 16, verse 14. Jesus rebuked those disciples for their unbelief. Even though they'd been told he was alive, he rebuked their unbelief. Then John's shortened version of the gospel said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Luke would tell us that there were 40 days that he spent with the disciples between the resurrection and the ascension. He was teaching about the kingdom. Nonetheless, we ought to be a happy people because Jesus did not just die, but he was resurrected, and that gives us hope for resurrection someday. But in between now and then, in this temporary body with this eternal soul in this temporary world, 
James talks to us, and I know that most of you are familiar with James chapter 1, but it's always good to review. When he says in verse 2, and it's kind of mind-boggling at first, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. You mean when trials come, James, we ought to be happy? He said, yes, because knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. The testing of our faith, when it's tested and we follow the Lord, we learn how to keep going, how to endure, to keep moving, and not let life pull us the wrong way. But he says, listen, let endurance or patience have its perfect work or its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. How many of you have been through trials in your life? It was hard and you didn't know how you were going to get through it, but you kept trusting in God and you kept praying and you kept allowing members of the body of Christ to reach out to you and help you. And after it was all over, you said, I'm so glad I stuck it out. I'm so glad that I didn't give up. Unfortunately, some do. And they're not happy people. They're not joyful people. James says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. I'm convinced that the fruit of the Spirit comes through the teaching of Scripture. But it is a fruit of the Spirit. It means that it's something that should come from our reading and understanding and practicing of the Word of God that the Spirit gave to us. And I don't get hung up on all that. I'm looking at, well, what is, what is this fruit? What is this joy that I should have? You know, joy... Is a, has a learning curve to it. In Philippians 4 and verse 4, Paul would tell the Christians in Philippi to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. How many of you know that when Paul wrote that, he was in prison? He was in prison when he wrote that. I don't know everything that went through that brother's mind and how he was able to say that, but I know that he came to the point that he could. A man who was out preaching Jesus Christ as a son of God, preaching that the law could not save, and especially preaching to Gentiles, your idols can't save. Your way of life is taking you in the wrong direction. It's taking you down the path of destruction. I'm bringing Jesus to you who can save you from your sins and provide for you hope in this life and a home in heaven when you die. Well, unfortunately, most of the Jews didn't take to that, and they had him put in jail. And Paul could turn around and say, I'm the most miserable man on earth. I don't even know why I'm doing this. That's not what he said. He said, rejoice in the Lord always, and then he has to repeat it. I've often wondered if our dear brother Paul didn't have to say that to himself over and over and over because he too was human. He too was human. You know, in the first part of the chapter of Philippians, Paul...